um, to all of you that moved here within the last dozen years or so. Um, just a heads up. I know you didn't hear a lot from our Tennessee fans during that time period. But from the people that were here before that, we can all assure you they are extremely obnoxious when they're winning. <laughs> so we still love them. We're grateful for them. Testimony of the power of the Lord and the unity of, of Christ is the fact that Alabama and Tennessee fans can show up on a side on a Sunday after one of them beat the other on a Saturday. So we're, uh, we're grateful for all those things. So we uh, uh, a couple things, a couple things to mention to you next weekend. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff going on. I'll talk about uh, later in the service. But uh, uh, next weekend we have. Um, uh, a couple things happening. Uh, if you are newer around and you're trying to figure out how to get plugged in, uh, you're wanting to serve, next weekend is our volunteer orientation class. Uh, you do not have to be a member to serve. You know, people will ask, that's a question, a common question that we get. Uh, we just love for you to jump in and serve, but we, uh, to serve and, and find a place that you can get connected and feel apart and uh, serve the Lord and, and be a part of the body and all those things. Uh, the, the biggest thing is we just ask that you go through the class. Uh, the class will be during the first service and all that, so uh, you can still come and go to the second service, um, and uh, we'd love for you to come and to do that. Uh, we'll do a little background check and all that. That's just typical stuff that we always do, um, and uh, uh, we usually go interview your extended family, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. We should do that. We should like have, we need like uh, 10 references of your extended family that we can call and talk to you, talk about you uh, too. So, but anyway, no, uh, you know, anyway, just uh, all for the protection of our children and all the folks that uh, uh, serve and, and all that, that they're going to be near our kids and whatnot. So uh, we've been doing that since day one. And so uh, anyway, we still do that. And I would love for you to join us and uh, come to the class and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, you can sign up online uh, in the app or on uh, the website or at the front desk. They can sign up for you if you are illiterate at how to push buttons on a screen thing. Uh, so they, they, they can help you, but uh, we're glad to help you with that if you need it. Um, the uh, other thing I make mention of is uh, if you are a member, we have our member uh, meeting and chili cook-off next Sunday night. Uh, and so we're excited about that, and we're going to share some stuff about things going on in the life of the church. So good stuff. All right, let's jump into this. Uh, we are in the book of Ruth. In fact, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got ushers who have Bibles. We'd love for you to take one uh, and consider it a gift. You can keep it. If you don't own one, you can borrow it if you need to. Uh, and uh, if you just borrow on it, you can always return it uh, at the end of the service back to the shelves at the back. Uh, thank you to our ushers for so faithfully serving and making sure that uh, you have Bibles and all the things. So. Uh, they, they actually do a lot behind the scenes that you guys never see. I'm grateful for them, for that team, uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, they all love hugs, too. Uh, so if you get a chance and you want to even just run back there in the middle of service and give them hugs, you can just give them, go, go give them hugs. Be okay. Everybody on the very back rows love, love those hugs. So, uh, <laughs> Oh man! It's so we uh, we are in uh, we are uh, entering into chapter two of the book of Ruth, and uh, if you're just tuning in uh, on Ruth, uh, you're you're catching uh, this crazy story that's unfolding um, of where God is just working 
uh, in this family's life in a way that uh, they probably probably wish he hadn't chosen, at least in the moment, that uh, he would choose to do it this way. But there's a lot of death. There's a lot of, at the very beginning of Ruth, first first five verses of Ruth is, is basically the introduction of, of uh, basically five people. Is that right? Four? No. Six. I'm adding uh, math. Uh, six people, and then the death of three of them. So uh, right off the bat, you start with a husband and wife and two sons, and then, they, then the two sons find wives, and in the process of all of that going on, the father dies, and then both the sons die leaving uh, the mother and her two daughters-in-law. And so uh, it's, it's this crazy, crazy thing. And, uh, and so then we see uh, kind of the aftermath of that, of what are they going to do? And they had gone to this, uh, they had gone to, uh, to Moab, gone to another land uh, during a famine, uh, just desperately looking uh, for food, desperately trying to find a way to provide for their family. Uh, I think we can understand that. At the same time, kind of running, uh, probably not even kind of running, uh, maybe from the Lord uh, a bit. Uh, we're all a little guilty of that at some point in time. Uh, and so um, they end up in this land when all this happens, and then uh, then they get word that God is beginning to provide food again back uh, in Judah, back in their homeland, and uh, or at least in uh, the mother's homeland. These two daughters were both Moabites, and uh, and so anyway, uh, one of the Moabite ladies, Ruth, and Naomi, her mother-in-law, uh, traveled back uh, to uh, Judah, traveled back to be with the people of Israel and, and uh, try to seek uh, a life together there. Uh, it's, 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 it's a crazy turn of events. Uh, and if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I highly encourage you maybe go back and, and check out those messages. I don't say that a lot, but I've had a lot of people talk to me about those messages and what they've meant to them. Um, Today, we're picking up in the story uh, where they're just kind of coming into town, so to speak. Um, and so here, here is Naomi and Ruth, uh, the mother-in-law and this daughter-in-law. Uh, the other daughter-in-law stayed back in Moab. And uh, for this one daughter-in-law, for Ruth, to have made the trek to be willing to do this, she's giving up a lot. Uh, she's she's giving up everything she's ever known as far as you know where she's lived her her family uh, you know her gods uh, they had their own gods that they uh, worshipped there uh, you know she's she's kind of laying down a whole lot to just say Naomi I'm going with you and I want to help you I'm not going to leave you alone. And so, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's one of those things that like, I think we all, you know, as you get a little older, you hope, uh, you know, somebody told me recently, they said, oh, you got a lot of girls, that's good, because they'll take care of you when you're old. And I was like, okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, you know, so, sorry for any of you with just boys, I guess. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things like we do think, you know, as we get older, what's going to happen? Is anybody going to take care of us? What if I'm the only one left? You know, some of those thoughts, you know, uh, start to start to come to mind. And, uh, you know, here we have Ruth saying, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take care of you. You can't get rid of me. I'm here. <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a thing. And, and I appreciate that. And, and, and we appreciate uh, you know, what's happened here in her heart is, some, is a movement of the Lord. Uh, I want to read this with you. Ruth 2. Let's just re get, jump into this. Ruth 2, verse 1. It says this. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man, 
of the clan of Elimelech. Now, if you remember, Elimelech was Naomi's husband, okay? So we're, we're, this is a descendant of his, this is a, a relative of his. Um, uh, it says, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. And so right here in the beginning of the passage, you know, we, we see a little bit of just like this foretelling of, of Boaz, you know, where it's, it's as, as the story, this story is definitely being told, you know, and then we're getting to see the glimpses of these conversations uh, throughout it. And as this story is being told, it's told in a very purposeful way. And, and if you're paying close attention, you know, even like what's happening right here is that we're getting a little name dropping with Boaz. And this is, this is supposed to lead us to understand something is coming. Now, you, you, gotta, you also have to take into effect, you know, the time period historically of what's been going on. And the time period of historically what's been going on is it's been, it's been a rough time. You know, and, and in fact, if you, the, the very last, the very last line, the very last verse uh, in the book of of Judges, uh, it says this in Judges twenty one twenty five. It says, "In those days, there was no king in Israel; everyone did what was right in his own eyes." There was in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This this is and and that was just kind of across the board, kind of where everybody was. Everybody was just doing whatever they wanted to do. And so, um, the the person telling this is wanting us to recognize maybe there's something different about this person. Uh, first of all, we're getting the we're getting the historical. We're getting the facts of you know this is this is a relative of Elimelech. Uh, you know, his name is Boaz. We're dropping a name in here. We're going to come back to his name here in just a minute. Uh, in fact, um, it, but, but then it, it, th- it throws a couple things out there along with the whole, you know, he's a relative. It also says he's a worthy man. And a worthy man would not be the terms probably used for a lot of the men at that point in time in this point in history with this group of people. Because again, we're talking about a group of people that everyone did, uh, you know, whatever they felt like was right in their own eyes. And so, you know, it's kind of a, the, the writer's helping us to see this guy's kind of set apart a little bit. He's doing his own thing. Uh, and we can appreciate that. Also, the name Boaz means in him is strength. Uh, in him, even in Yahweh, is strength. Uh, and so again, names mean a whole lot. We've been talking about that. Um, And here we go. Verse three continues on. It says, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. So we're getting this again, uh, again, foretelling probably of something coming. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Well, we're familiar with that place, right? And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, 
Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Um, so several things happening here in this passage. Uh, first of all, we're, we're getting more of, you know, the whole... Um, you know, Boaz story, you know, we're picking up little pieces of this. We're starting to see this guy Boaz, uh, probably as a guy of wealth. Uh, he's got it going on. He's got people working for him, you know, all of this kind of thing. Uh, he goes out into his field. Uh, we see him greet the people that are working for him. You know, I think, I think even in this, you know, this, this greeting that Boaz gives to his workers is, is a pretty incredible thing. He says, the Lord be with you. Now, I don't know when the last time was your boss showed up at work and was like, the Lord be with you. And you were like, absolutely, the Lord bless you. You know, maybe never. Uh, you know, maybe it's happened. I don't know. Uh, but but this, this is very telling, I believe, of who Boaz is and his trust in the Lord, his faith in the Lord, uh, you know, and just the person of him. This is a, this is a greeting. This is a, not, and it's not just a greeting, but it's, it's like, you know, this great greeting that comes from the Lord himself that he states all through his scriptures where we see him saying, I will be with you. Boaz is basically giving them the reminder, hey, the Lord's with you. He's with you right now. And we see that all the way through scripture, all the way up to Jesus who comes and is Emmanuel, God with us. And so as he's out in the field, he wants his people, he wants the people working for him to be reminded that God is there with you. He is here with you as you work. He is here right now. He is, he is blessing us. He's providing for us even as we do these things, which is, again, I, I think just pretty amazing uh, in of itself. To, to boot with all of that, we see, uh, again, the reminder that he is part, he's a relative of Elimelech, so he's related technically to, you know, Boaz through her, you know, family where she married in and all that. Uh, and, and to kind of remind you of, of the importance of that, and we're going to see this more as the story unfolds, uh, there is a piece of the puzzle that I talked about last week uh, where, you know, you remember Naomi, uh, the mother-in-law, saying, you know, well, you guys talking to the daughters-in-law, she was just like, you guys should stay here in Moab. You have no reason to go with me. I have nothing to offer you. I can't have you any more sons. Right, and we talked about the importance of the whole son thing, and that you know, if she had had more sons, then it would be commonplace for uh, you know those widows to go on and marry those sons uh, in a way of carrying on the family name for the husband who had passed away. I know, kind of crazy, but this is this was you know what they did, and so um, you know, but the whole relative thing again pieces into that, and we're going to see how that plays out in the days ahead, and I don't want you to hang in there for that, but I don't want to give you too much too. Um, and so, you know, we've got this guy who loves the Lord, who's even encouraging the people that work uh, for him toward the Lord, uh, you know, but then we also, you know, in verse three, we have this important piece of the puzzle, I think, you know, where it says, uh, I'll just read verse three again, it says, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. 
she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, the, the Hebrew translation of she happened to enter his field is basically, and her chance chanced upon the allowed portion of the field of Boaz. In other words, as luck would have it, okay? It's, 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 it's this kind of thing. And, and really, the writer is wanting us to see, you know, something that's happening here, which is that there's something bigger going on than Ruth making decisions on what she's going to do and where she's going to go and what Naomi's doing and the decisions she's making and where she's going to go in the fact that the, the Lord and his hand is moving here the chess pieces on the board as he wants, sees fit, and wants to provide and do great things for these people who have put their faith in him. This is not an accident. But Naomi, I'm sorry, Ruth, did not know that the field that she was going into was the field of a relative who belonged to her husband through her father-in-law and all of this, as luck would have it, basically we're being reminded God is in control. God is in control. In fact, I want to read to you uh, a little excerpt out of uh, Tony Morita's book, which is uh, Ruth for You, but it, the, the, <laughs> the quote is actually quoting uh, Block, who is another great commentator, and I love Block, and I've got a bunch of his stuff. And, uh, and I was like, well, I'm just going to read it where I saw it, and this is where I saw it. But it says this. It says, by excessively attributing Ruth's good fortune to chance, he forces the reader to set up and take notice, to ask questions concerning the significance of everything that is transpiring. In reality, he is screaming, see the hand of God at work here. The same hand that had sent the famine and later provided food is the hand that had brought Naomi and Ruth to Bethlehem precisely at the beginning of the harvest and has now guided Ruth to that portion of the field belonging specifically to Boaz. I think, I think sometimes we're just guilty of, of forgetting like how deep God's plan goes sometimes in our lives and how we didn't just accidentally end up where we are right in this second, right in this moment, right in this year, right in this place, whatever it is that the Lord is moving and doing things around us that is so much bigger than us and it's just a reminder of his plan. Luke 12, verse 4. I want to share this with you. Luke, 4, uh, Luke 12, verse 4. It says this. It says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, says uh, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And not five sparrows are, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? 
and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered? Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. It's this reminder for us today of God knows every single hair on our head and he knows every sparrow, but, you know, great, great about the sparrows, but at the end of the day, doesn't he care about us more than he cares about sparrows? Of course he does. And of course he's going to take care of us. And of course he's going to provide for us. Ruth uh, is truly amazing in her faith here, by the way. We see her just step out strongly, going into a situation. Hey, can I come and uh, you know work in your fields and 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 do all this? Uh, you know, a little piece of the puzzle I think that's important for us to note here is that in this moment in time, one of the things uh, that had been passed by law uh, was that uh, people who were poor or widowed, uh, or just in need of whatever kind or whatever, that, that it was actually told by the worker, to the workers of fields and to the owners of fields. This would get a lot of people wound up today, I guarantee you. Um, but, I, but I love it. Um, is that we see um, that they're told that anything that is dropped while they are clearing the fields uh, is to be left on the ground, and to not go to, not, not, not reap the harvest all the way to the edges of the fields. And what is dropped and what is left at the edges is specifically for those people who are in need that they would be, if they would be willing to go and do the work to harvest that part of the crop, then they could have it. And so that's, that's basically what Ruth has gone and done is she's, is in, and and here you got I love I love her just how she comes at this verse 7 it says she said please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers so the reapers are the people that are working for Boaz they're his workers they're doing their thing they're gathering the crops and all that and then she come she went to uh, Boaz's guy, not to Boaz yet, because the guy is telling Boaz the story of you know who she is and what she did. But he's like, she came to me and she said, "Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers." Well, the truth is, she didn't even have to ask. But we're seeing the amount of humility that she has, in that she is coming humbly recognizing that, number one, she's in need, but number two, uh, that, you know, she's asking, would it be okay, may I do this, please, may I, I reap after, after your reapers go through? Uh, and then, of course, they said, yes, absolutely, you can. Uh, and the truth is, is that probably at that time, uh, I would say a lot of the landowners were probably not real happy with that this is the way things were set up in that moment in time. Boaz was apparently pretty cool with it uh, to the point that even his workers could give the go-ahead, yeah, and that's no problem, you can, you can do that kind of thing. Uh, but Boaz takes notice of her. You know, he takes notice of who she is, he's asking who she is, why is she here, all of this. Uh, but then, you know, he's even told she didn't presume that she had a right to do this, she came and humbly asked, you know, can I do this? So then I want to pick up in verse 8. 
And in verse 8, it says this. It says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. So now, now you know, Boaz is kind of letting it out. Hey, I've heard all about what you've been doing for your mother-in-law and, and all that. Now that I know who you are, he's kind of put the pieces together. It's all been told to me. He says, in how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people who, who you did not know before. Then verse 12, this is amazing. He says, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So, First of all, there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole bunch in, in the rest of this passage here. I, wanna, I won't, don't want to miss any of it. Uh, you know, first of all, we see in the very beginning of this, uh, you know, uh, Boaz, you know, speaking to her, verse 8, listen, my daughter, I, you, do, not, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that you are reaping and go after them. I have not charged the young men, have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Uh, and when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink uh, what the young men have drawn. Let's talk about that for just a minute because, you know, really what we see here is we see a guy who sees an opportunity of somebody in need, a, a young woman in need, uh, who um, basically he's just like, I want to help take care of you. I don't want you to go looking anywhere else for food. I want you to stay right here. I want you to work alongside of my ladies. I have instructed the men to leave you alone, you know, uh, I mean, you know, all of these things, but then, but then it goes, you know, and, and it's, I mean, this, this, I think this shows a whole lot about Boaz's character, but then it goes further there. And he says this, he says, and when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Now this, uh, again, talking historically here, you know, this is a big deal because first of all, she's a Moabite woman. She's a different race. You know, and, and different races would get treated uh, very differently and all of this. And, you know, on top of that, uh, you know, uh, you know men, men would not draw water for ladies. Ladies had to draw their own water, you know. Uh, not to mention if you were of another race, then you had to draw your own water. And here, Boaz is saying, my guys have drawn a bunch of water and I want you to be able to take it whenever you need it. And so he's like, he's like kicking down, you know, all the, all the things he's covering the sexual, sexual harassment, you know, issues in the workplace. I mean, he's, he's doing all the things here at one time. And so no, no, 
no wonder in verse 10, we see what we see in verse 10, which is, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? So she asks this question, why are you doing this for me? And she's, I mean, she's beyond humble. She's on the ground at this point, like bowing down. She's, she's, I mean, she's just in like the most humble state she can get. And then in verse 11, it says, Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been told to me and how you left your father and mother and native land and came to a people that you did not know before. So is that, is that the reason? Is that the reason he's doing this? He just heard that, you know, because she's a great gal and she's been ta- helping take care of Naomi now and, and she left her folks and she probably needs a, she probably needs a, you know, a little, a little pick me up to kind of help her get through this time. No. Verse 12. Verse 12, she, Boaz says what he says to her as a form of encouragement, okay? But then in verse 12, we have something amazing where really, this is, this is really a prayer. If you really look at verse 12, it says, the Lord repay you. I mean, he's, it's like he's going to speak to the Lord now, but he's speaking to her at the same time. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I hope that this is what the Lord does for you. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And what, what we're really seeing here is we're seeing Boaz not taking the credit. We're seeing Boaz say, the Lord is the one that's providing for you. And the Lord is the one that's going to provide for you. As you are moving forward, I am praying that he will provide for you. I'm praying that you will get a full reward for all the unbelievably great things that you are doing for Naomi and others or whatever it is. And then he throws in there, you know, by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And I'm reminded today just how often we in this life go to take refuge and look for our protection and our provision and all these things in other things other than the Lord, don't we? I mean, like, we can get caught up in it so fast. So fast. And the truth is, is God is the one who provides. Here we see this picture of Boaz, you know, who really, especially, especially given, I mean, this was way so uncommon at this point in time in history, in this group of people, and what's going on, I remind us that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We see it at the end of Judges. And then here we are with this guy, Boaz, and he's doing all this stuff for Ruth. Boaz looks like Jesus. Boaz not just looks like Jesus, he's, he's, he, is, he is leading us to an understanding of what Jesus might even look like one day. Shown, he, he shows kindness, uh, he gives uh, aid to refugees, uh, he's feeding the hungry at his table, 
Uh, he is uh, seeking out the outcasts. He didn't have to go looking for her. I mean, yeah, he saw her in the field, but he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He didn't have to ask his boy. You know, who's 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 this young lady? Who's this? I mean, you know, maybe she caught his eye. I don't know. I think that's very possible. But either way, it's the Lord's plan. It's the Lord's way of working things out. And what we see here is we see the picture of a redeemer. In a moment in time, when everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And what we have is we have Ruth. Faithful Ruth. Beginning to see her faith being rewarded. And we see all throughout scripture people's faith being rewarded in different ways. And she acted in her faith. And she knew that she needed grace and she came and proceeded with humility. But she found her faith when she came under the wings of God. Where God's providing protection and care for his people is found. Maybe, maybe right now, maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're going through something right now and it just feels like it is all you can do to make it to the next day. Maybe it's the heaviest of heavy, heavy things you have ever been through in your life and you got people whispering in your ears stuff like, you know, God won't give you any more than you can handle, which is not biblical, okay? God won't give you anything he can't handle. But for him to handle it, we have to come under his wings of protection, under his wings of provision. Matthew 22, verse 37. It's one of my favorite passages. I I, I, just, I love coming back to this passage, and it's the passage of where we see Jesus coming up over the hill, and he sees Jerusalem, and he begins to weep for Jerusalem. You remember this passage? And he's, and he's going to his death. He's going to his crucifixion. I mean, it's Holy Week. He's about to come in, you know, do the whole, like, you know, uh, ride in on the donkey and all that kind of stuff or whatever. But, but the, the precursor to that is this moment where he, he sees the city in the distance and he sees it and his heart breaks and he begins to weep. But then he, he says this. He says in verse 37 of, of Matthew 23, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. And you were not willing. Jesus longed to gather his people, love on them, care for them, provide for them, protect them. But what? What did, what did, the, pe what did the people of Jerusalem do? They, they, they cast him out. They end up killing him. God wants to provide. God wants to protect. He wants to show up and show out in our lives that we can tell the stories 
of the great things that he's done. I recently got to speak to a school and I, and I had made this list. It was really cool. I made this list of like all these hard things that, uh, you know, I, we've been through and different things in life as, as many of you probably have those lists. And then, and then I made the other list, which is, these are the things that we went through once, once upon a time in our life. And then here was the list of like the ways that God had provided. And it was amazing to read that list off. So amazing just to get to, just to get to testify of how great God is and what he's done, you know? And we forget, we forget about that stuff until we take the moments to think back and remember, oh yeah, there was a tough time and we were in the middle of this and then suddenly this thing happened or suddenly this happened and God provided. And the truth is, is we need to tell those stories. Our children need to hear those stories. Our friends need to hear those stories of God at work in our lives. Not because, not because necessarily we were as faithful as Ruth, but to show them that it's worth, it's worth the fight, it's worth the effort, it's worth trusting in the Lord. The Lord has this. He cares for us. If he cares for the sparrows, and are we not worth more than some sparrows? And Ruth, falling on her knees before Boaz, this should be us before Jesus. What has he done for you? She said to Boaz, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? We could say the same thing to Jesus. That should be us. That should be us. And we're reminded of the fact that God doesn't just provide, but He has a plan. He has a plan. And yes, part of that plan is that under his wings we'll find protection, we'll find provision, all of those things. He'll nurture us, he'll care for us. But we also have Ruth 4.22, the last verse of Ruth, the buzzkill, the spoiler alert. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. And this is where it's going. That Boaz, this guy Boaz, has a lineage. And maybe we'll see Ruth and Boaz get together. Maybe not. But one way or another, there's a plan. And it includes a lineage that Ruth somehow gets to be involved with and it leads to a guy named David who becomes a king and his lineage also leads down to a guy that we know whose name is Jesus. Our messes seem just like too much to handle sometimes, don't they? But the truth is, is that they're exactly, exactly perfect for the Lord to handle exactly perfect for him to take and make something amazing out of them to use for his glory. 
Under his wings, we will find everything that we have ever needed. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us to lay down the things that we want to protect and provide for us. God, that we would trust in you today with full faith. God, I pray for anyone, Lord, that has not trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray, Lord, that today that you would save them. God, that they would believe in you. They would believe in the work that you've done through your Son on the cross. God, I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't blink an eye at that. Lord, do a work in their heart. Lord, help them to believe. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for sending your Son to take the death that we deserve for our sin. Thank you for doing what we couldn't do for ourselves. And God, for us that are believers, God, I pray that we would trust in you with all the faith in the world. God, that we would give you the keys. God, that we would just, God, just let you take over. God, we wouldn't worry. God, that we would trust. Lord, that our faith would be in you. God, I don't know what we did to find favor in your eyes. But Lord, thank you. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your encouragement. God, thank you for making us a part of your family. Thank you for Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.